1: And may the works this day be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast.
0: Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. And no boops. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever an altar is found, their civilization exists. Welcome to First Steps, Alters, the 171st episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 18th century philosopher Joseph de Meister. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music, you can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode.
2: You can call me Carr, I'm Ode's father.
1: Merry meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and the remover of... Boop Gremlin Spirits.
0: Yes. Because of the the way we're recording now, with Car in another room, we have to turn on the speakers on the desktop, which means I just had a very exciting <laughs> 10 minutes trying to get Discord to stop making noises. Oh my
1: gosh.
2: So far, so good?
0: So far, so good, yes. yes. After I turned off every hypothetical noise, I have not heard Discord make a boop. It is... The first recording of the year, so as we begin our housekeeping, Car, would you please read the names of all of our patrons?
1: As we get comfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> we have 51 kittens.
1: We love you, kittens. Happy New Year. Yes.
2: And here come the cats. There are 32 of them.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We've gotten a lot more cats. Mm-hmm.
2: Abby, Annabelle Lee, Arcane Jill, Ashley Harkins, Cabra, Cauliflower, <laughs> Christine Phillips, Cindy Barrick, Claire K. R. Miller, Dylan Newcomb, Elisa Durka, M. Talasavari, Erin Kathleen, Firesong, Song, Hannah F, Janice Monrae Bell, JD, JT, Kelly Burt, Ken Hub, Coney Briggs, Chris Mickelson, Laura Loki, Megan, Michael Anadazi, you know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nova Misko, Rebecca Hillman, Rhonda Graham, Sakura, Sorokoff, Squiggy, and the Dryad.
1: We love you, cats. Greetings to our cats. Happy New Year, cats.
2: Our hunters. There are 62 of them. All right. Okay. Alicia Noble, Alyssa Addy, Amy Martin, Andy Olson, Ann Orney, Ashley Ann, Ben Walburn, Cara B, Charlene Hughes, Charles Howison, Corvus Falada, Crimson Sh- uh, Russell, Delilah Darge, Darby, Darren, Daughter of Oak, David Dashfin Keys, Druid Hart, Elora Driver, Emily Hall, Erica McVeigh, Goddess Incognito, Heather Lewis, Hunter Jade, Jax, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Jim Two Snakes, JoJo, Juniper Shadowcat, Katie Hare, Kristen Hankins, Kai Oakenshield, Loriana Lee Knapp, Mach 2556, Marat, Martha Kirby Capo, Megan Kipper, Mel Renee, Melissa Gerben, Melkor, Moon Eye, Nika, Patrick the Mystic Stitcher, Precious Fire, Ray Lothrop, Rochella and Dashvid, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Ryan Hopkins, Samwise the Blonde, Shy Sky Poyfair, Fair, Sloth, Sophia Duncan, Sprouty, Stephen Thompson, Schwan <laughs> Fairywater, <laughs> Talia Franks, Usha Erska, Venus Sheets, Victoria Selness, and Zacchaeus.
1: We love you, hunters. Happy
2: uh-huh. New
0: Year. And uh, Car Swan is calling you a butt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> our leopards. There are nine of them. Chris Colobri, Al Faithful, Gemma Atkinson, Jody Cozy, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Kitty Robinson, Luna, Nicholas, and Nolan Hayes.
1: <laughs> Greetings to our leopards. We love you, leopards. Happy New Year.
2: Our tigers. There are four of them. Amanda Hicks. Crystal of Tees. Tree Wizard Creations, and Weavers of the Web.
1: Happy New Year to our Tigers. We love you.
2: (laughs) Our Panthers are, there are four of those, Alex Robinson, Don Taylor, Elizabeth Bull, and Ann.
1: We love you, Panthers. We do.
2: Happy New Year. Our Jaguars are, there are four of those, Justin Stanage, Kirsten Ray, Lori Phillips, and Midnight Dove.
1: We love you, Jaguars.
2: Wow. And that's it. That's the end of it.
1: That's it. Thank you to Thank all you. of our patrons. Happy New Year to all our listeners mm-hmm. and our patrons and everyone. And you know we love all of you. Yes. All right. Uh, so that's all the patrons. Yes.
0: Do we have any other housekeeping that we need to talk about?
1: Other than we are going to be teaching at convocation. Yes, which uh, which we did discuss in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So that's February.
2: Um,
0: yep. Yeah. What? God. What are the exact dates for combo?
2: I'm glad everybody has no clue but me.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't.
2: It's uh, the 24. I think we go over on the 23rd. Right. Because uh, we go a day early. Um, and it starts on Thursday, the 24th of February, and then is done on the Sunday.
0: All right. I believe that's going to be it for our housekeeping, though. So mm-hmm. we are housekept and
2: house
1: swept.
0: Yay. We are starting off the year with another one of our First Steps episodes. Mm -hmm. These are a series of episodes uh, loosely aligned by the principle of trying to explain things that often don't get explained in paganism. Mm -hmm. uh, Things that are just assumed knowledge or that get glossed over even in sort of the beginner books. Mm -hmm. They just say
1: do it, but they don't explain a lot about
0: it. So this First Steps episode, we're going to be tackling the subject of altars. Mm -hmm. We've previously talked about sacred spaces and altars... Can be a form of sacred space, but that's not usually their primary function. So, mm-hmm. the first thing we should probably talk about is what an altar is and what an altar does, what it's for.
1: Well, um, it really depends on the reason you're creating the altar. Mm-hmm. You can have an altar that is dedicated to deity, obviously. Right. We
0: have our little childcraft book over here that is our altar to Dictinus.
1: It's specifically for Dictinus. That's mm-hmm. his altar, and that we don't use it for anything other than honoring Dictinus during the podcast. Mm-hmm. But there are other obviously altars for ancestors, for mm-hmm. family. They're, I have a working altar. Yep for for witchcraft, mm-hmm. for any kind of magical workings. I mean, there's all kinds of things. It really does come down to what is your intention.
0: Yeah, I think if I had to define an altar, I would define it as space that you have made sacred and dedicated to a spiritual purpose of mm-hmm. some kind.
1: And I think it's important to note that an altar can be inside or it can Mm -hmm. be outside. It can be stationary or it can travel with you. Yep. It can be mobile. It can be just space Mm -hmm. that you, you know, you throw a cloth down and there you are at.
0: (laughs) It can be elaborate. It can be simple. Mm -hmm. It can be a shelf on your wall. It can be a shelf in a bookcase. Mm -hmm. It can be an Altoids tin
1: can be your coffee table. It can be the top of a dresser, a dedicated piece of furniture that you go out and purchase. Mm-hmm.
0: Altars are defined more, I think, by their function mm-hmm. than by their structure. I
1: think so. I know that there are books out there about creating a witch's altar mm-hmm. or a Wiccan altar. There's some really good books. Some are better than others. Right. <laughs> as usual. But I think the, the main thing the, to remember is if you feel drawn or called to have an altar in your space, go about it in a way that makes sense to you. It doesn't have to follow a specific, unless you're in unless a your tradition. Unless your tradition has a
0: specific way for you to set up an altar.
1: But if you are a solitary, <laughs> you can follow whatever your instinct is telling you. At least that's how I've always worked my altars.
0: Yeah, so there are definitely traditions where there are very specific requirements for what must be on an altar. Mm-hmm. Most traditions aren't that stringent about it. They'll have, like, suggestions. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very common in a Wiccan altar to see some kind of representative of the goddess and the god. Mm -hmm. Um, Often these will be a black and a white candle or Mm -hmm. something like that.
1: They can also uh, include items that... Are sacred in the Wiccan tradition to yep. the and representative like a cauldron uh, and anathema exactly
0: uh, an altar uh, a Wiccan altar is often especially is often where
1: a Wiccan will keep their magical tools mm-hmm. and they will also often orient it in a particular cardinal direction mm-hmm. north or east is what I'm is my understanding mm-hmm. have their elements the cardinal directions mm-hmm. could be represented there or it could just be a the the goddess and the god mm-hmm.
0: so there will be Familiar elements to altars that are made in a single tradition. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: I agree with Gwyn, personally, as just a a solitary syncretic heathen. Mm -hmm. My altars are built very much on intuition. Mm -hmm. I usually don't even really go in building an altar, knowing exactly what I want on it. Mm -hmm. I I just sort of collect things into a sacred space.
1: Well, you remember how I basically created an an altar to the earth Mm -hmm. deity, not even realizing that was what I was doing.
0: And before that, you created an ancestor shrine to your dad Mm -hmm. before you had even gotten back into paganism. Mm -hmm.
1: If you follow your intuition, it'll lead you where you need to go. At least that is how it's been in my experience. Mm -hmm. And As you grow and you learn and maybe you do some more research or some study, or you just, you find something that feels right, that feels like it belongs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since all of us began practicing, we have a family altar. It's become more my altar than anything now. (laughs) But in the past, we had a a family altar that had all of our paths represented. Mm -hmm. Jackson, when he came home, we invited him to to include, to to add. And we do, I think, have some... Uh, In essence, in in our downstairs main altar where Mm -hmm. we do ritual, we have our ancestor altar that has our family, Mm -hmm. both your father and and mine, represented. Mm -hmm. Like, I also have a kitchen altar in my window. That's the other thing, is you can have an altar pretty much anywhere.
0: It usually requires some kind of horizontal space, although not Mm -hmm. always. I've seen some people design altars that are purely out of, like, wall art. Mm -hmm. So they put up a bunch of photos and pictures Mm -hmm. and... Hanging sculptures and hanging plants and all these things on a little section of the wall.
1: And that becomes a sacred space mm-hmm. where they focus their their spiritual intentions. And I think that can also be a really good option for someone who maybe can't be overt in their creation of an altar. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the past, I had to uh, create what we call stealth altars. Yes. I used things like a fountain and stones and things that were... Pretty mm-hmm. and look like decorative things, but I didn't have any symbols of uh, witchcraft yeah. or paganism involved. And you don't have to. I think that's the important thing for people to know. You can create, as you were saying, a, an altar created out of art, mm-hmm. different art pieces that represent what is, you know, what your path is or what is important to you or what your what the purpose what of, the this, purpose altar of is. this particular altar is. Is this going to strictly be for honoring the gods, such as what Car does? At
2: Valhalla. At Valhalla. So we originally started out with this uh, really cool rock that we had found in on the property. But it had two inclusions in it that were quartz that were very much lightning bolt shaped. We are called Valhalla and we worship the Norse gods out of there. It made sense that this was Thor going, here's my fucking rock, use this. And then about nine months into being there, somebody stole the rock
0: yeah, yeah, we, we had poured out, we had poured out so many meads over that stone. Yeah, it was, it was, that was the center of our offering practice. Yep. And so it was very frustrating. Someone just took off with it. So now you have a different space
2: where you. So we have a little tiny grove of trees.
0: That's yeah, a little cluster of, I don't know, three, three. little saplings. saplings.
2: Yeah, yep. And so we've been using that. Mm -hmm. Um, When we move into the new space, we are going to build an actual physical altar. Yeah, a designated space. Designated space outside for that, yes.
1: I'm curious, has there been any reaction from patrons or anything? Do they know that you pour out mead and make offerings
2: to the deities there? Yes, they do.
0: Yeah, we tell people when they ask, um, Especially, they do ask sometimes because they'll see us going out with a a bottle of mead.
2: (laughs) And it comes back empty.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So they want to know what we're up to. Occasionally, we've had people come watch us do it. Most of the time, they don't. Even when they're invited, they I don't know if they feel weird about it
1: or what, but patrons are aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you offer a prayer at, at that altar, that space, mm-hmm. as you're pouring. Yep.
2: Yeah, it has a whole thing.
1: Yeah, a little impromptu liturgy. So that's very cool. And it is strictly, that is strictly to honor the deities, for uh, basically to bless. The space. Yeah, and we
0: we hail uh, a bunch of the gods who are especially relevant to us, and we ask them to bring us prosperity for the coming day.
2: Mm-hmm. And we ask Heimdall to hold the gate open for us. Yes, very cool.
1: So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is an altar, very very simple, in a, an act of devotion mm-hmm. that is done at a at a, place at a of business. 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 Yeah, a place yeah. of business.
0: And it doesn't take long, and it's not complicated or, or elaborate. Like I said, the first one was just a rock that we found. It was just a cool rock. We just set it in a convenient location and used that.
1: Yep. This Swan is asking the difference between a normal altar and a working altar.
0: So I have two altars currently. I need mm-hmm. to get a third one up. I have my ancestor altar, mm-hmm. which is a space where I go to purely to commune with my ancestors, to leave offerings to them, to more easily connect to the energy of my ancestors when I when I need them very intensely or when I want to speak to them in some way. That space is designated for that specific purpose. I do not do work there. I do not do other kinds of prayer there. It is specifically for interacting with my ancestors and for leaving them offerings. I need to make another altar of which will have a similar purpose for my gods. Currently, I have a bunch of little figurines of them that are just sort of living on my bookcase because I don't really have a good spot to put them right now. But eventually, I'll have another altar that's going to be purely for making offerings to and interacting with the deities. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now, I have what I call my working altar. It's a writing desk that folds closed. Mm -hmm. So I have, in the interior part of the desk... All of the tools I use to do magic with. So I have many, many candles. I have various offering dishes. I have I have a lot of herbs. I have a lot of stones. I have a lot of... I have some essential oils. I have some oil blends that I use for sacred purposes. And I have all the sort of random bric-a-brac you accrue when you're doing magic where you think, hey, I could use that sometime. So I have a bunch of little charms. I have... Various kinds of string and ribbons and random tarot cards from lost decks and just all kinds. I have uh, the ash from every um, match I light. Mm -hmm. I store in a little jar so that I can use that to make black salt. I have a mortar and pestle in there. I have just... stuff. uh, Everything, yeah. You have all the stuff that
1: I have in the big apothecary Uh downstairs. All condensed into this little desk. Yes. So
0: yeah, I just have uh, everything I could possibly want to use for magic in this desk. The only thing I work with regularly that I don't keep in this desk are things that are on my altar and I don't keep my journals in there purely because I don't have space. So mm-hmm. my my books are not in there. Right. But it stays closed most of the time because that helps maintain the sacredness of mm-hmm. the altar space. But when I need to do work, I open it up, I put a chair in front of the little desk part that opens up mm-hmm. and I do all of my work there in front of the working altar on the open space that is made by uh, pulling down that part of the desk. And I just pull things out of my working altar as I need them. Mm -hmm. And because they're there all the time, they don't get muddied Mm -hmm. with mundane energy or with bad energy that might have been brought into the room. Mm -hmm. They don't get interacted with by other spirits. They're maintained in this specific sacred space that is defined for storing my magical
1: tools like the apothecary downstairs i have a a very large Mm -hmm. what would you call it a wardrobe yeah i guess it's a a large wardrobe where i keep all the herbs the stones the candles the oils the Mm bric-a-brac the things i've collected just as ode was describing just in a, a larger space yeah and both my kids know they can go into that if they need it mm-hmm. for supplies. If we're missing something we're missing that we need,
0: something. often I don't. I don't keep that many herbs of my own. Mm-hmm. I have a few, but Gwen has many, many more
1: herbs. I have quite a large inventory. So, <laughs> so
0: if I need an herb that I don't have, I can probably yeah. trust that Gwen has it somewhere in her apothecary. Yeah.
1: And and. Um, because I don't have this, I don't have a table mm-hmm. which I wish I did. I would love to have a table where it's really that is where I would do my work.
0: It's really, really very, very nice. I will say to mm-hmm. be able to pull
1: down that part of the desk and have a work working top. space. Yeah, but what I do is I we have this dresser that has our. Our family, a, altar. our family altar on it and it has the images of the deities mm-hmm. and candles and things there and a bunch of other stuff to keep the cat from jumping up there. Uh-huh. All things that belong in an altar, but they tend to be in the front. Yeah. But what I do when I'm doing my magical working is I pull things out of my apothecary, which is in mm-hmm. the same, same room same room where our and it's really it's our it's you could almost call it a temple room. It really it really is because it's an it, altar room. All we do in there really is Yeah. Altar work. Yep, altar work, prayer, um, ritual, ritual, meditation. We pass through that space all regularly, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: but all it contains is the family altar, the ancestor, ancestor altar. altar, and Gwen's apothecary.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, what I'll do then is the front half of the family altar then becomes my working space mm. for for the craft when i nice. when I'm crafting a spell, and uh, so. That is how i've I have managed mm-hmm. to make it both a devotional altar mm-hmm. and a working and altar. a working altar. But I do have separate altars for, like, for instance, I have a separate altar that's all plants mm-hmm. and then stones in images for the earth deity. Mm-hmm. I have uh, an altar in the window that is strictly yes. for Frigga <laughs> that has plants and candles and mm-hmm things and stones little devotional items little devotional items and that is strictly a devotional space Mm
0: -hmm. i think it is useful to define what the purpose of the altar is going to be when you Mm -hmm. start
1: out yeah it it really does help because as we were saying i made an accidental altar Mm -hmm. both to uh the earth deity before i recognized that that's what you were what i was doing I I created an ancestor altar mm-hmm. with but it began with my father's image and a candle and a flower mm-hmm. and it expanded from there. So and up until that point I hadn't done any kind of ancestor work or yeah. had any kind of an ancestor altar. No,
0: I had to point out to you what you were doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. And I was like, oh. "It's a it's a natural human impulse yeah. <laughs> to like... build
1: an ancestor altar." <laughs> so I thought, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." It's interesting. There are spaces outside that mm-hmm. naturally have become a place of ritual.
0: Yeah, and and sort of like when when our stone at Valhalla was stolen, and we transitioned to using this little grove of trees. Sometimes they just there are spaces that just sort of naturally feel mm-hmm. like they're the right spot for sacredness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. I was trying to count them up in my head. I think Mm -hmm. we have nine altars in the house between all family members.
0: Let's see. I have two. (laughs) Okay. We have the the two downstairs. We have two up here
1: in this bedroom.
0: We have two up here. Mom has another one in the kitchen and one in the The living room. room. Jackson has at least one.
2: Yep. That would be nine.
0: Yep. Yeah. Do you have uh, any altars specifically, Car?
2: Uh, just what's on the family altar.
0: Okay. All right. So yeah, I think you're right. I think nine.
2: Yeah. yeah. Technically,
1: I go downstairs once a year and- Oh, um, to the to, house spirits? To the ho- and make an offering to the house Yeah, spirit, in the basement. In the basement. There's not really an altar. No. But yeah,
0: I wouldn't say that we have an altar down there
1: that's no. just sort of where the root of the house is. Yeah, but I go downstairs and it's really kind of the offering. Samwise
0: the Blonde asks, how do you utilize your outdoor altars? I think the f- the most useful thing for me is just to remember that it's not going to be as static as an indoor altar. Mm-hmm the conditions are going to change in ways that are beyond your control.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you just have to make your peace with that mm-hmm. and accept that sort of as part of the sacredness of the altar.
1: Yeah. There's two spaces that I will go um, outdoors when I want to work outside, whether it is for a full moon or whether it is a family. Mm-hmm. And the for, the for the family, it is fire pit. We have the fire pit. We have a fire pit. And that space has been utilized enough yeah that it's got it it's got that sacred feeling it's got that sacred feeling to it and sometimes we'll bring a table out there and yeah put, so we can set things so out. we can set things out, but a lot of times we just we go, go out, out there, there
0: and <laughs> stand around the fire yeah yep
1: and I've done that before i've you know I've done a couple of rituals by myself out there, but then also the front lawn right in front of the house. Mm-hmm is a, a sacred area. There's a there's a kind of a glass table mm-hmm. under a, uh, a pine a big tree. tree, big yep. old pine tree. And so that area feels very sacred to me.
0: And there's another area in the yard that feels sacred to me, but that I've never actually used mm-hmm. for an altar purpose. If I was going to go do a private altar outside, this is what I would use. Um, it's a weird little
1: spot. Uh, yeah, I know the place you're talking yeah. about. We talked about creating some kind of a... Uh, prayer or meditation yeah, area it's there. A, it's Is a, it the
2: one where the grass doesn't grow?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a weird yeah. little spot where grass doesn't grow. And except one. Except once. And it grew up with all kinds of... All kinds of wildflowers. Clover yeah. and wildflowers in that yeah. one space. That's why I thought mm-hmm. maybe there was a fae in, yeah. the, in the garden because so, it didn't come back last year. No, it So, so that's,
0: the, that's a spot that I would consider has the potential to become an altar space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think
1: I... I treated it like an altar space i i asked car mm-hmm. to mow around it
0: yeah giffa asks any suggestions for outside altars with nosy neighbors my suggestion is if possible like mm-hmm. if it's possible within your zoning and everything to find some way to screen it off from the view of your immediate neighbors
1: we do not have that option no so we just go out and do what we are going to do yeah we but
0: close our gate we have a gate it doesn't lock or anything but it's symbolic of saying like this is our space, and we are closing it to outside influences right now.
1: And I feel like when we do that, I feel like you it, know, an energetic.
0: Yeah, it it sort of engages our existing wards more mm-hmm. strongly. And we so make I offerings. do find, yeah, we make offerings, and I I do find that closing the gate feels like we have secured the space mm-hmm. in a very um both in a very tangible and in a very magical way i actually feel uncomfortable trying to do rituals without closing the gate
1: yes same um and i feel like when we do close the gate it's almost like that notice me not spell that mm-hmm. i put on my grimoire i feel like it becomes a, a notice me not barrier yeah because we've never had any no we've say never had any thing. interruptions we've never had any interruptions we've and never we... had them come stare no or anything huh and you know We have some very bad neighbors. Some bad neighbors, yeah. On one one side, one side only. So
0: what I would suggest, if you have um, an outdoor space where you can't put up a physical screen of some kind, Mm -hmm. is to put up magical wards and find some way Mm -hmm. to activate them. Particularly for ritual, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're going to be doing a ritual outdoors, set
1: those up w- before you start a ritual. And Oda and I did specifically, and we talk about this, I believe, in our wards episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did take stones. Yes. We put a stone on every corner
0: of, of, the, our, property. of the
1: property and one as a focal point at the house mm-hmm. at noon so that we would have the height of the sun, the height of the sun's energy and power working with us. I believe that is also part of the reason mm-hmm. why, because we also then went down to the gate. Yep. And uh, sanctified the gate. Sanctified the gate and, and set a, a spell mm-hmm. <laughs> over that area so that when that gate is closed, it does feel very secure. Secure. Yeah.
2: I would say if you're going to do something like that, please, please, please do not use salt.
1: Right, right, yeah, no, that'll fuck up your do not yeah. environment. Use things yeah. that are environmentally friendly. Yeah, offer seeds. To, you know mm-hmm. if you you know offer offer wildflower seeds and
0: who are able to within the the zoning of your area within whatever your neighborhood's standards are, consider growing a little um, hedge, a little mm-hmm. privacy hedge of mm-hmm. some kind. It doesn't have to be around your whole property. It can be just around the area where you want to do mm-hmm. ritual. You can plant a little, like, half grove of trees mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. sort of shield you from prying eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: There are options. Yeah, you have options. And also, ask the land spirits for help. Mm-hmm. We've always asked the land spirits, the tree spirits, yep. the, the house spirit to assist us and to guard and protect our our space. And ours at least have always been very cooperative. Yes, they've always been very This is a this has been a good place. Mm-hmm. Good for spot. For that. A good spot for that, yeah.
2: Thanks to our Tiger Solenox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith Aquarian Tabernacle Church organized in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need to be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them on the line at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ATC. Weavers is also holding a regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time.
0: Hail Dictinus! And Jody is saying a trellis with climbing plants would make a
1: great screen too. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. And there's some beautiful if you want to um, if you have a space where you could do moonflowers. Yes. That would be gorgeous because cool. they're yeah. they automatically climb a trellis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also rows of Sharon. Yep. That climb trellis. So and then of course you could always do mugwort. Yes, mugwort also gets
0: very, very tall, and we did at one point, yeah, consider growing a mugwort
1: screen. Mm-hmm. And that's still an option mm-hmm. if have, for if we continue to <laughs> remain in this in this space. But anything that you do outside, do make sure that it is going to be good for the environment. Right.
0: Make sure you're not planting invasive species. Make, make sure that these plants are appropriate for your area, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to grow them without you know Too spending much. an exorbitant amount of water or
1: energy. Mm-hmm. Be aware if there's any wildlife that Mm -hmm. crosses through your yard. Mm -hmm. Be conscious of what you're doing. Yep. You can also, because an an outdoor altar can be, you know, wherever you're at. You could also do um, local parks and things like that. Just do it safely and with wisdom.
0: So here's the thing about if you live in a city or whatever and you don't have your own personal space to build an outdoor altar. Mm -hmm. You can find a place in a local park Mm -hmm. or something like that Which feels sacred to you. However, you are not going to be permitted to build a permanent altar there. And you should not try to. Because park services is just going to remove it. It will be disruptive and potentially dangerous to the other people
1: around. And that is where portable altars can come in. Yes. Very handy.
0: So you can find a sacred outdoor space... And bring your altar with you to that
1: space. And it doesn't have to include a table nope. or a shelf or anything like that. It can just, I think I mentioned earlier, it can be just a, a linen mm-hmm. tablecloth mm-hmm. or a, a towel, even and just something to put on the ground. And sit on if that's uh-huh. all you need. huh. Or you can pack one in a lunchbox, mm-hmm. right? You get a
0: little yep. lunchbox. You pack up all the little stuff you need and just, just place it out on top of the lunchbox. There you go. You got a little traveling altar. If you need even smaller than that, you can do the Altoids tin, which is a classic.
1: If you are going to be outside, especially in an open area, in a park, things like where mm-hmm. you don't have access to... Like, we have a fire pit. Right. You know, we can use that and we can do controlled fires. Mm-hmm. Don't take... Like, candles and things like that would you take things that are use battery powered candles or
0: honestly there are a bunch of apps on your phone Mm -hmm. that will simulate a candle some of them will even like detect the sound of of wind in your area to simulate the candle flickering so you can find apps like that that stuff will work for the same kind of focusing that um a traditional candle does. Obviously, this means you can't, like, do candle magic out in a mm-hmm. park. Nope. But you could bring the unlit candle with you mm-hmm. and anoint it there and take it home with you to, to burn. burn.
1: Exactly. And uh, Swan does say that Michaels has nice wooden boxes in various sizes that can be made pretty. To, they do. To create an altar. And then Sloth says some places do have community gardens. I think that is a, is a, a lovely idea for a place to go. Just realize, though, if it is a... Like a botanical garden or something like that, you you might have some foot traffic.
0: You will, and a community garden is usually for growing food. That's true. So there will be people volunteering or working at that community garden who are there to do work to grow food for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure that anything you do there is not disruptive to to the people in that in that community garden.
1: Exactly, and a picnic basket altar. I think that yeah. sounds like a great idea. There's also um, you can go to the water you can go to rivers mm-hmm. and beaches and things like that just again be make sure that you, whatever you take you bring home with you don't use anything that can impact the environment and harmfully Don't
0: take anything away with you Use see right. the, the same principles that you would take for going to a national park don't leave anything don't take anything
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: leave no leave no footprint as it were apply those same principles to doing magic outside
1: mm-hmm now, there are times, like when we were with Shadow Bear, where you are, with, if you're foraging or if right. you're in a space, something is being gifted to you, like right. a shell or a stone or but something But you need like to that. be
0: very conscious of the environmental impact of that.
1: And, yeah. you know, offer something back like some, uh, like some water. Water is always an acceptable offering of thanks.
0: Yes. But if you're going to take a shell or something, Mm -hmm. you are taking potentially away something's home,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? You are disrupting the environment just by being there. And when you take things away, you disrupt the environment substantially more. So you need to be very conscious of that. Just because you feel something has been gifted to you doesn't mean it is actually appropriate for you to take it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll be okay and sometimes it won't. But you need to be very, very conscious of the fact that just because you are human and having a spiritual moment here doesn't mean you are authorized to take something away with you. I just want to have people remember that Mm because I think there's a tendency for us to be like, oh, the tree said I could take this. Oh, the beach said I could have this. Mm -hmm. Well, that's nice, but you're still disrupting the environment. Mm
2: -hmm. So with with that in mind, Ode, back at, uh, gosh, it's been forever ago, when Mm -hmm. I got the apple with branch, how do you feel about that now?
0: I I mean, like I said, it's a complicated subject. Obviously, as humans, we take things away from these environments all the time. Mm -hmm. I think we just need to be conscious of it when we do it. I think it's just something that we're not conscious of a lot. I'm not saying like never take anything away to your home. I'm not saying like never pick up a cool rock that you find. Never take a a stray leaf on the ground. I'm saying be conscious of the fact when you do that that you are you are altering the environment, and that's something humans do and always have done and always will do, paleolithic times to now. I think it's just something we need to be conscious of our effect on the environment in a way that we aren't
1: always, especially when we're focused on our spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just be mindful of not only your experience and what you feel the earth or the, the sea or mm-hmm. the tree or whatever is saying to you, but really look at... Look and see what is around you Mm -hmm. and what you're doing and how it impacts what is around you and operate from there.
0: And some of this also is down to how many people do this in this area. This is a problem they had at Stonehenge Mm -hmm. and that's part of why you're no longer really allowed to go to Stonehenge Mm -hmm. and, and be close to the stones is that people would take... Pieces. chips off of Stonehenge and they think oh, like oh well I'm just taking this tiny chip but thousands of people go to Stonehenge and if thousands of people are taking tiny tiny chips each one a piece mm-hmm. they they each are making a very small individual impact but collectively they're making a huge impact mm-hmm. right so part of it has to do with how much traffic there is in this area.
1: Mm-hmm. What it is that uh, you are being called to take. I like it. Swan said, um, take the astral form. Mm-hmm. Use your intuition, you, but be mindful. Yeah. Be mindful.
0: I'm I'm not saying never take anything. No. I'm just saying be conscious of what you take. Yeah. So, Car, I would say you found a stick that had already fallen off the
2: tree. Yeah. Correct.
0: It had not yet been like, it hadn't started decomposing, right? So it wasn't. Contributing to insect life and Mm -hmm. small animal life and stuff like that at that point. So, you found it at sort of exactly the right point where Mm -hmm. removing it wasn't going to have a huge impact on that local environment
1: at the time that you removed it. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. And so, I think that's an important thing to remember also when we are building, even in our own yards and things, um, what kind of an impact are we having on? The plant life in mm-hmm. our yard or on the the insects you know mm-hmm. the kind of plants that you're planting um are you encouraging butterflies or are you discouraging or worms for that matter worms. worms are super important for the the health of the soil exactly um so it all of these things do play into it and it's like you know sounds like oh that's a lot of work but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you want to be mindful about these things because eventually someday you're going to be leaving that space and it's mm-hmm. going to be someone else's and you want to you want to leave it in the same or better condition than you found then it. you found it yeah. especially
0: if you are in public use spaces like mm-hmm. a park or something yeah. like that yeah
1: that's that's very important mm-hmm.
0: oh so getting away from the, the topic of outdoor altars mm-hmm. something i did want to talk about is um but all of our altars in this house tend to get very busy they do so there are are different schools of thought on this. There are some people who like to just sort of set up a very structured altar and then never change it. Uh, and then there are people like Gwyn and I <laughs> who we set up an initial altar uh-huh. and then we add to it over time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where do you find most of the stuff, I think, that, that you add to your altar? Where does that come from?
1: Usually, well, it honestly, a lot of times uh, it's just I find it... As I'm out and about, whether, sometimes it's things that are gifted to me, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's things that I've inherited. So mm-hmm. there are now things on the altar, but on, the on the ancestor altar, altar as well as yeah. the family altar that, uh, yeah, that were my mother's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Or sometimes I just see something at the fucking dollar store and I go, ooh, that's cool. And, <laughs> and yep. on to the altar it goes, because yep. it gives me a particular vibe, mm-hmm. you know. Like I found this perfect little stone cup that is now on my Frigga altar so I can now offer her libations because mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. She's in my window. It's mm-hmm. a very narrow. I a very do not, small space. It's a, it's a small kitchen window. The bottom half has plants mm-hmm. because it's a little wider. And it's over the sink. It's the top of the window. Yeah. So I don't open that window anyway. So I have her on the, the top of my window mm-hmm. and it has just enough space but there was this tiny little cup. That was perfect for that. So anytime it's basically like that. If I see something that either calls to me or speaks to me or it says this is specifically for this deity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That or this would be really good for for doing some witchcraft mm-hmm. with, you know, then that often goes into the apothecary. But right. yeah, I, I think that it I follow my intuition.
0: Yeah, I find a lot of stuff. Also at the dollar store Mm -hmm. or out shopping. or I find a lot of things at thrift stores Mm -hmm. and um, the Goodwill. Um, The only thing for me with um, adding things to an altar is that once it goes on the altar, it doesn't come off unless it is going away. Right. Because once it goes onto the altar, it belongs to... The recipient of that altar, right? Mm-hmm. So, things that go on my ancestor altar, those belong to the ancestors now. They are mm-hmm. no longer my property, they are the ancestors' property. Mm-hmm. So, there is actually like a process that goes into deciding to put something on the ancestor altar because mm-hmm. I will never use it again for myself. Mm-hmm. So, some things I buy specifically for them, and some things. I just have, and they want, and I have to decide if I'm going to give to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Offering dishes, and it's things that remind you of them, or things that they wanted, or, you know, sometimes the gods, or or the ancestors, or whoever your altar is for, Mm -hmm. just
1: wants something. Like, I got... It's pretty, or they like the energy, or whatever, and they just want it. Even though I have not done any work with her yet, I felt very drawn to, again, just like with Frigga, mm-hmm. I felt very drawn to buy this little teeny tiny statue of Hera. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I have Hera on this one little corner of the shelf above our mm-hmm. family altar, which has become kind of an, it's become an altar space itself. I and there, it's more of an, it's sort of an extension. An extension. The, yeah. But there was a peacock feather that mm-hmm. absolutely I had to buy for her. Mm-hmm. And there's this little
0: peacock feather, and that is not a representation of Hera. It's not exactly an offering to Hera. No. it's
1: just something Hera wanted. It's
0: just something she so wanted. Went on the altar. She's, for. she's
1: associated with peacocks, mm-hmm, so yeah. you know.
0: Like, so like sometimes like, they just want something.
1: Don't know why I, I have her mm-hmm. up there because I, for a while, I thought maybe I would do some work with her, but no, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. So, how about you, Car? What's the plan for the altar at, uh, at Valhalla? Valhalla?
2: You know, I'm not sure yet. So I have to spend some time in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just got the keys recently. So, you know, I need to make sure that, and I'm thinking about doing an indoor one as well. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to figure out, you know, how those two things work.
0: Yeah. What would be a good space for it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And right now it's hard to tell because there's snow all over the ground. Right. right.
1: That's unhelpful. That does make it hard.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: The outdoor altars are always exciting when it's cold. It's just, just the changing environments the in changing, general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do more inside probably.
0: Rannin says I don't really work directly with Artemis, but she made me buy her a little concrete bear figure a while back so I get it. Ellie. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you just get uh, you just get tapped yeah, to do something uh, even if it's not normally your job. And you never have to take on those responsibilities, but often it doesn't cost you a whole lot to do it, so.
1: Yeah. And I figure, you know, with our family altar, the more the merrier friends. Right?
0: <laughs> More than Mary or whatever pantheon. They want to be there. They can yeah. be there. Just, just show up. You know, and, and we'll we'll open up the door for you. Yeah. We're fine with it. We're okay with it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like my ancestor altar. Um, is a little different from the ancestor altar that we have downstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, The ancestor altar downstairs is very specifically for um, sort of known family members. Mm -hmm. It
1: has a lot of pictures. Items, personal items.
0: Personal items related to them. We make offerings of things that we know they like um, and things like that. That ancestor altar is very focused around ancestors that we uh, either knew while they were living Mm -hmm. or who we have stories about from people who knew them. My ancestor altar upstairs is a little bit different. I do honor those ancestors at my ancestor altar, but I also have sort of separate zones on my ancestor altar for different categories of ancestors. You can kind of block off, zone out different parts of an altar to do different things mm-hmm. um, to perform different functions or to be specifically for specific people. We do this on the family altar too. Mm-hmm. You have a little section that's specific to Hakati. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a couple of other little sort of deity representations around right. in different spots on per the Nun- altar. for Pernunos, per Nuno's the, the Dagda, Brigid, yeah.
1: I have a pile of rocks that represent the Kaliach.
0: Right. So, so that's something you can do. You don't have to have a separate altar for each person or category of person that you're going to be working with or communing with or worshiping or whatever at an altar, you can have one altar that you sort of delineate spaces on.
1: Mm -hmm. That's worked for us. I know Mm -hmm. some people, it doesn't work for them, but that has worked so far for us. Let's see. Rhiannon Gray asks, what about digital altars?
0: Should we talk a bit about digital altars? Yeah. I love digital altars. They're a really interesting idea. So a digital altar traditionally is usually a web page mm-hmm. that someone has made where they have collected images and uh, oftentimes devotional poetry or other
1: forms of devotional writing. There's often a gif of, a, of flickering mm-hmm. candles.
0: Yep, you'll, yeah. Um, sometimes they'll also have like a little comment section where you can make prayers. Mm
1: -hmm. They're very effective. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're meaningfully different in function, just Mm -mm. in form, than a a traditional physical altar.
2: I think one of the easiest places to do that online would be Pinterest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you can you can private a uh, group of things on there that nobody else sees, but then you can share those with specific people as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually have a couple of of private boards on Pinterest where I collect images that remind me of various deities.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Swan asks, "What are the thoughts on setting non-altar things on the altar?" I won't do it. Yeah, I I try not to do that.
0: Like I said, when when I was talking about the things I I put on the ancestor altar, stop being mine. That's why I don't put things on the altar Mm -hmm. that aren't supposed to be there, that aren't going to stay there. In an emergency, I would make a quick apology and set something down Mm -hmm. on an altar and then make another apology and retrieve it afterwards if Mm -hmm. I absolutely had to. But if I have any way to avoid it, I will not set down something on an altar that does not belong there.
1: Yeah, and like I said, the front half of of our family altar... I use as a working altar mm-hmm. cuz I don't really have another space. But you're
0: still doing But I'm
1: still doing things. It's still things. Sacred things. things. Sa- it's still things. spiritual, magical, sacred things. I, I do keep our lighters there. Right. You know, and things like but that. But those are nature. essentially
0: ritual tools.
1: they yeah. So, I don't I don't put mundane yeah. things on, <laughs> on Yeah, the like altar. if I'm
0: like if so the uh the door to come upstairs cuz our our stairs are actually blocked off from the upstairs and the downstairs with a door, which is how we keep the cat downstairs. The door to that um, staircase is right next to our ancestor altar. Mm -hmm. I am often carrying multiple things in my hands while I am going upstairs. Mm -hmm. It would be way more convenient if I could just set them on the ancestor altar while Mm -hmm. I opened the door. I will not do it. No. I will find other ways. I will balance things on my hip. I will put them uh, on another space in another room and then go Mm. get them
1: afterwards, I will not put things down on that altar. Right, yeah. If I thought we could keep the cat off of it, I would put a table in the center of the Uh room where we could do work and things. No, I just,
0: I I simply, I simply will not.
1: The altar that essentially became my, one of my green earth Mm -hmm. uh, altars, where all my plants are, and the Mm -hmm. Roku, device yes. is there. It's under the TV. Yes, that's because you built your altar in a weird place. I know, I built it around. You built your
2: uh, altar around where I put a Roku. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Is like it, it, It's been built around it. It's just part of it now. Yeah, you well, know. I
0: would say the Roku is just a non-altar space in the middle of the altar yeah. you've built. <laughs> um, but that's because you built a very strange altar. It is a very strange altar. But just, yeah, just I, I personally will not like I'm not gonna judge anyone who does set things oh, down no. on their altar. No, huh. but I personally it feels weird, yeah, physically can't will not cannot do it. Like mm-hmm. it does not feel like a correct action to me. It feels mm-hmm. like it would be like spiritually incorrect and defensive to the spirits
1: I work with. So let I will not it, do it. Let me put it this way. When I was a Christian, I would never put anything on top of my Bible. like the Bible on top of other books.
0: But you would not put other
1: other things things on top of the Bible. Yeah. So it's the same kind of concept. Same kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, no,
0: I just will not, and I couldn't tell you why. It just feels very wrong wrong to me. Yeah, Yeah. it it feels. That that would feel like not right action Mm -hmm. for me. Mm
1: -hmm. Same.
0: And part of that probably is because of my training and tradition and expectation that things that go on the ancestor also belong to the ancestors, so anything I put there is theirs and not mine. Mm-hmm. So if I set something down there temporarily, it would no longer belong to me. Right. Auntie Am says, I put my lucette on my ancestor altar. It was my great-grandmother's, a gift she received in the 50s. It's only taken off when used, and I think of her while using it. That, um,
1: that makes it sacred. You're
0: effectively making it a spiritual object and bringing that... You're effectively
1: bringing that piece of the altar with you mm-hmm. when you use it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I have... I don't see any... I don't think of that as a common non-altar item, because yeah. it's got her energy on it, and it was a gift of hers, and you think of her when you're doing, when you're using it, mm-hmm. and so it makes perfect sense that it would be on the ancestor altar. I would think of that, that has become a sacred item. Yeah,
0: a, a sacred tool yeah. on your altar. And you use it in the same way that you would use other sacred objects that you keep on your yeah. altar, like a... like. If you keep an athame an and a cauldron on your altar, that doesn't mean you don't use them ever again. Mm-hmm. It just means you use them in a sacred context and mm-hmm. you return them to your place on the altar. And what I would not do is put my water glass on my altar right. and then expect to still have that be my
1: water glass at the exactly. end of Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm thinking more of, you know, I'm not going to stick my cereal bowl right. on, on, the, the altar. on the altar.
0: But having a tool that I store on the altar that has a spiritual purpose or a connection to an ancestor or something like that. That I store there, and mm-hmm. that is just absorbing spiritual energy there, and that I then use for spiritual purposes, right. or use with that ancestor in mind, is different from just yeah. putting down my random bric-a-brac on and the table.
1: But I think that is it for this episode. Mm-hmm. I think we have covered it. What do you think, Carr? I'm
2: I'm covered.
0: <laughs> we are all covered. We're all right, all then. Covered. Carr, if you will please lead us out.
2: You can find us basically everywhere. Just look on the internet. This thing pops up on a computer, usually through some kind of browser. And uh, probably the easiest way is to type in this really weird word, Google. Um, And that'll bring you to a site with yet another search bar. So it's really weird because you search for that and then you get that and then you have another search bar. But in that second search bar, if you type in the number three, P-A-A-C, or you can spell it all out if you want the number three, not spelled out, and then Pagans and a Cat, or the number three spelled out. Pagans and a cat. You get a whole bunch of links to everywhere that we're at.
1: <laughs> we're on all the social media. Yeah, just Google us. <laughs> or as Sloth says, ask Jeeves.
0: <laughs> ask your local Jeeves. Ask Jeeves.
2: <laughs> yeah, because you're going to have to ask somebody named Jeeves who lives near you because <laughs> that website doesn't exist anymore. That's
0: Find right. a Jeeves that you know <laughs> that's right. and ask, ask him. Ask them.
2: That's yep. Right. Because I'm- they'll know.
0: Yes. Because that's his- their job. All Jeeves will know. And how re- to find
1: us that's right and remember we're on all of the uh, podcasting platforms now yes including Audible
0: and Audible and,
2: everything Yeah. Everything.
0: Spotify Amazon Music I believe yeah yeah
2: yeah Yep. On you all can, of
0: them if you can listen to things through it you can
1: find us there
2: you can yep. alright so
1: thank you we love you and we'll see you next week yes goodbye goodbye hail Dictonus hail Dictonus more more again. more hailing this yes, place tonight yes some more hailing of dictinus.